Hello, and welcome to another episode of Insurance Certain Hope, a podcast about Jesus, faith, the church, and other things. I am the Reverend Jedediah Fox, the rector of the Church of the Redeemer in Kenmore, Washington, and your host. I'm glad you're with us for this episode. Today, we're going to start a new series in this very podcast episode. That's right. No more history. Yay. I'm sure many of you are saying. Instead, we're going to be talking about the Christian life. Many of you had questions and really all of them boil down to, okay, now what? How do we live a Christian life? So that's what we'll be talking about for the next several episodes. Here we go. So, now that we've gotten some of the basics down about what Christianity is, about what the Episcopal Church believes about certain things, the question then becomes, what do we do with it? How do we need to interface with this reality in a way that comports with our belief in what it means to be a Christian? That is, how do we live the Christian life? And that's not an easy question to answer because there's lots of answers that different people have had over the last 2000 years and not all of them are great. So how do we balance our life as Christians in the world today? How do we think of a way in which we live our life in such a way that it is a witness to what we believe, that people look at us and they see not just us, but they see the faith that has brought us to this point, a faith that is based in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, right? That's the goal. And the best way... I think, to structure this is to build it around the baptismal covenant, right? The baptismal covenant is that promise that we make in baptism, in that first sacrament, wherein we begin our life in the church. And it has some very specific promises, some very specific things that we are called to do. We are called to worship and participate in corporate worship of God. With other people, we're called to abstain from sin. And when we can't abstain from sin, to repent and repair the relationships that are broken in sin. We're called to proclaim the good news of God in the life, death, and resurrection in Jesus Christ and the invitation that it represents. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves and to respect the dignity of every human being. And recently in the Episcopal Church, we are also called to care for all of God's creation. So those are the things that we promise that we're going to do in baptism, or at least people promise on our behalf in baptism. And 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 the idea being that we, at confirmation, if not sooner... 
take them on for ourselves and use them as our guiding principles. And so we're going to, in the next series of podcasts, also use this as a template going forward for how we talk about what it means to live the Christian life. So we begin with what the baptismal covenant begins with, which is liturgy, worship, the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And this is a great place to start because it's really the basics. That is, worship and liturgy are what we think of when we think of church, right? If I say to you, church, your first image is something having to do with people sitting in a building while someone up front is either praying something or saying something or a choir is singing. For a lot of people, that's what church is, and it sound, and for some people it sounds like someone preaching, and for some some people it sounds like, or something like that. And that's what church is for people, is worship, is liturgy. Everybody has a liturgy, everybody has worship. But let's dive into what those words mean and what it means to live a life of liturgy and worship. First, we have to talk about some basic things. We have to talk about the words themselves. So let's talk about worship first. Worship is literally an English word. It comes from Middle and Old English. And, and it's really just worship. It wasn't real it wasn't originally a verb. It was originally an adjective. It's something of worth. It's the and and the verb then becomes something uh, the attention that you give to something of worth of of great worth or the thing of greatest worth. The attention, the homage the, the relationship that you invest in with a thing that is of worth. So that's what worship means. Liturgy has an older root to it. It comes from two Greek um, words. Laos, meaning people, and ergon, meaning work. And so liturgy literally means the work of the people. The work of the people. And the one that often comes up along with this uh, and, is in, and is important to our conversation going forward is sacrifice. And this is Latin. So we have English, we have Latin, Greek, and now we have Latin. So sacrifice. Uh, comes from two Latin words, sacer and fakire. Sacer meaning holy, fakire to make, to make holy, sacrifice to make holy, to set apart. Being holy means being set apart. Um, so if something is sacred, it is set apart. 
So if you sacrifice something, you make it holy or you designate it for that which is holy. So what is the point of all of this in the church? Why is this the first thing we think of when we think of the Christian life? And liturgy is for us everything. You think about what liturgy is. Liturgy is really everything. It's not just about church. It's about everything. Everything has a liturgy to it. Going to get coffee at a coffee shop has a liturgy to it. If you think about it, it has a series of steps that culminate in you receiving the beverage, which depending on your orientation toward coffee might be the water of life for you. But it starts with you walking into the shop and you smelling that smell and you hearing the grinder of the beans maybe going and you getting in line with people. And then as you're in line, you're looking at all of the things, the shiny Chrome espresso maker, you're smelling the donuts, in the pastry case, you're hearing the frother making the milk foamy and hot. And as you stand in this line, waiting for your turn to order, you then have an interaction with other people, whether it's the other people in line in non-COVID times, or it's the person at who is taking your order and with whom you are having an exchange so that you may have this encounter with coffee or hot chocolate or tea or whatever it is that you're getting. But there is a defined middle, a defined beginning, middle, and end to this experience, at the end of which your life has been changed, if only for that moment in which you get to hold this nice, warm beverage that innervates you and makes you ready to face the rest of the world. There is a liturgy to getting coffee. There's a liturgy to going to the grocery store. There's a liturgy to getting in your car and going to work every day. You have a series of things that you do. It's a, it's a, a, a pattern of work, a pattern of life. And in the same way, this pattern of life that we do in the church points to something else, changes our life. Just as going to the, the liturgy of going to the coffee shop gives us coffee to drink, the liturgy of going to uh, of the church reminds us of our relationship with God in Jesus Christ that reminds us of what it is that we are focused on gets ourselves reoriented toward that which is worth something toward that which is worshipful towards that which is worthy of being paid attention to, which is God and everything that God has created in the way that God created it, which is good. And so we do the work of the people, which is liturgy uh, in the church, in order that we may go and continue that liturgy beyond the walls of that church building. Because the work of the church is the work of the people. And the work of the people is to bring all people into relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the way in which God intended from the beginning. And so we promise in our baptismal covenant that we will continue to 
go and participate in these rites and liturgies that reorient us toward what is worthy of our attention and time, what is worship, what is worthy. And we intend to make ourselves as right the right one Eucharist says, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Right? That is the point. That is that is the culmination in Romans of Paul's argument toward the church in Rome. Paul spends 11 chapters arguing that God has done all these things. That God has called us in all these many and various ways and set up all these things. Has given us the church, has given us Abraham, has given us Judaism, has given us all these things, even in spite of everything that we've done. And so in chapter 12, at the beginning, he says... In the beginning of chapter 12, Paul says, Therefore, let us turn toward God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Let us, and I'm paraphrasing Paul because that's generally a good thing to do. Um, let us turn with our whole heart and mind toward God, which is our spiritual worship, which is our dutiful paying attention to of what is worth being paid attention to. So that's what we do in on Sunday. Sunday is a part of our worship, is a part of our paying attention to what is important. Now, Sunday cannot in the church be for people of God, for people who are following Jesus, cannot be the only time that we orient ourselves toward that which is worthy. Cannot be the only time in which we worship. Cannot be the only liturgy of the church in which we participate in. Because worship in the church has two aspects. The first, which is the one we think of when we talk about liturgy or worship in the church, is corporate worship. That is the worship that we participate in together. Now, right now, it's kind of harder to think about that because we're not participating with each other in the same way that we have for the last 2,000 years when we've been able to gather because we don't want to all get sick and die. But it's still nonetheless corporate worship. We all show up on Zoom at the same time on Sunday morning and we pray and hear the story of God's salvation in Jesus Christ. And we see God's sacrament, if not be able to receive it, together. And that togetherness make, is part of that reorientation toward God. But there's a whole nother part of worship besides corporate worship, of which Sunday Eucharists are the most visible and well-known part. And that other part is um, individual worship. Private worship. Some people call it private worship. I, mm, um, you can use that, but it, it, it has a connotation about uh, how our face faith should be seen or not seen, uh, which is a conversation for another day. But individual worship are those opportunities, both 
liturgical and non-liturgical, and when I say that, I mean officially liturgical, that is whether you're reading from the prayer book or not reading from the prayer book in the Episcopal Church, in which you you worship God using prayer, using contemplation, using sacrament, in which you take time to do nothing besides reorient yourselves toward the relationship that is the most important in the life and your world, which is the relationship with God and through each other and through God with each other. And that's individual worship. So whether that looks like morning prayer or that looks like uh, one of the other liturgies from the prayer book that you say by yourself, you're never actually by yourself. That's the beauty of Christianity. You're never actually alone, but, but it's not corporate in the way that Sunday Eucharist, that, that the Sunday service is corporate. And so we think of it as our individual worship. And that is a worthy and important part. And it doesn't have to happen in the church. That's the other great thing about it. Because the church building, lovely though it is, is is just one form of the church. It's just one form. It's just a building. And there are important things that happen in it, but it is not the only place that those things can happen. Important, meaningful corporate worship can happen in hotel hallways. It can happen on the tops of mountains. It can happen on the sides of lakes. It can happen in the middle of a shopping mall. Important private worship can happen in your living room. It can happen on your front porch. It can happen in your car while you're stuck in traffic. It can happen while you're waiting for your next Zoom call. The life of the Christian does require, though, that it happens. That it happen over and over again. Participation in the work of the people, which is always to continually be reorienting ourselves toward that which is of worth. And setting ourselves up to be holy, to be set apart within that work, to be to make ourselves a sacrifice worthy of the God who loves us so much that he gave us Jesus. So those are some preliminary thoughts on liturgy and worship. In the next couple episodes, we're going to dive deeper into worship, particularly into corporate worship and some of the whys and wherefores of the things that we do in the Episcopal Church, particularly in the Eucharist, um, as it is most often expressed on Sunday morning. And then we'll go on from there. All right, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Insurance Certain Hope, our podcast. And until you join us again, may God's blessing be with you. Christ's peace be with you. The Spirit's outpouring be with you. 
Amen.